0: Are you a kingdom-minded real estate investor? Do you see real estate as an incredible vehicle to advance the flourishing of the kingdom and mission of Christ? If so, we welcome you to the Kingdom Real Estate Investors podcast, the podcast to spotlight and share the stories of real estate investors just like you who are advancing the kingdom of God and using real estate as the vehicle. Let's get into the show. Kingdom Real Estate Investors, if you have not gone to oneconnectionaway.com, then you don't know that we have been promoting and just finished a live 90-minute webinar where I shared the exact strategies and secrets that have helped me go from college pastor to full-time real estate investor and purchase more than $100 million of multifamily real estate. But not only me, I also shared the secrets and strategies of those inside of our Kingdom REI Mastermind that have helped them become CEOs to attain financial freedom, to actually leverage a business for kingdom advancement We've gotten incredible, incredible reviews, and so we're going to do an encore coming up very soon that I want to invite you to attend. If you have not already attended this, go to OneConnectionAway.com. That's OneConnectionAway.com to grab your seat for our next live webinar so that you can learn exactly what we have to quit your job and begin to live life on your own terms through commercial real estate. OneConnectionAway.com. Let's get into the episode. Welcome, everybody, back to the Kingdom Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, with my all-star co-host, Cameron
1: Roy. What's happening, my guy? Hey, brother, man. How are you doing today? Good to see you. Good to Give see me you. an
0: update, man. What's going on?
1: It's raining in Dallas, so inside today, day. Business is good. Lord is good. The wife's great. Health's in check, so firing on all cylinders. Did you know that
0: we're about to put a very big boy offer in in Dallas right now? Like, very big
1: boy. I would have known that. If when you were here the other day you would have called me
2: <laughs> listen i
0: was in town for like five hours got on a plane got off the plane at 10 back on a plane at three
1: i could have come it was insane
0: you. uh this is not about us or about the big boy offers we have going on this no. is about my man mr david docuson hello sir welcome to the show
2: what's going on brother good to see you again cameron nice to meet you
1: likewise
0: excited to have him on david is an author he's a real estate entrepreneur he is a professor pastor i'm not sure if there's anything this guy doesn't do he has spent 20 years investing in the communities as all of those things and what i'm excited to talk about today his new book called neighborliness to love like jesus cross dividing lines and transform your community Dude, I, I mean, like that could be the subline of this podcast show in some ways. <laughs> yeah, there
2: you go. You, you can take it if you need it.
0: Uh, hey, man, let's do this. I want to I want to make sure I pray for us. But before we even pray, why don't you give a little bio about yourself, man? Let folks know kind of where you're coming in, who you are a little bit.
2: Yeah, well, you know, first of all, thanks, guys, for having me on. And to everybody that's listening today, I, I have this long held belief that the kingdom of God, the future of the kingdom of God is in the hands of the entrepreneurs, the people that are going to think and. Having that apostolic calling to kind of go out and imagine new ways for the kingdom of God to continue to move forward, so it's super exciting for me to be with you guys today. You know, my background—I grew up in an entrepreneur's home. My dad started and sold a bunch of different businesses and stuff like that. Um, I kind of caught the bug, but I I kept it in the in the nonprofit space, in the church space. We started two churches over the last twenty years, and then um, have started five nonprofit organizations in the last ten years. And uh, just you know, trying to invest in the communities and, and find ways to connect with people. And particularly, you know, connecting with people across dividing lines, I've got a real big passion for that. So about two and a half years ago, I stepped out of uh, full-time vocational local church ministry and now travel full-time all over the world, speaking, teaching and writing, uh, you know, and working with executive teams and trying to help people find ways to cross dividing lines and, and use... The things that they know um, and maybe even some of the things they don't know yet about being empowered by the holy spirit to do great work for the kingdom of god really practically in neighborhoods and communities and cities around the world
0: can you define what a cross dividing line is
2: i think that all of us come from a certain perspective and anybody that comes from a different perspective than you grew up with a different background whether that's racial or economic you know to me the enemy is always trying to create these dividing lines and Jesus is always trying to erase those dividing lines and, and move us into relationship with one another. And so to me, learning how to cross those dividing lines, whether we're talking about, you know, like somebody from a different economic background as us or a different racial background from us or, you know, come from a different country. I think that we learn how to love each other well and carry out the greatest commandment of love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, when we love our neighbor as ourself as well. It, that's one command. It's a two part one command. So, um, so to me, crossing those dividing lines and learning how to do that is super important.
0: Hmm. That's a great man. Well, in light of that, dude, let me pray for us and we can jump in. Heavenly Father, thank yeah, you go. for uh, this day, this time, this opportunity to speak with, with David and have Cameron here. And just, yeah, I mean, it's so true. I think about God, the the barriers that you crossed from leaving your throne, to come here on earth and be with those who've sinned against you and who've defamed your name and yet you've um, given us your son you have shed your blood on our behalf and i pray uh god that in light of our conversation today that you would be glorified and we pray this in christ's name amen
2: amen so the first
0: thing that comes to mind dude is like this sounds hard (laughs) i mean like i'm just you know (laughs) curious like take us back a little bit man where this kind of became a calling for you. You know, was this yeah. yeah, let's let's go there.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, you know, my my background was in, you know, big church and, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, you know, go for it and all that stuff and we we had gone out, and we had planted a church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was going great. We ended up moving because we had we had a real estate opportunity. We had this opportunity. Somebody came to me and said, "Hey, we're going to we're going to redevelop a 40,000 square foot um, building and instead of it being on the southeast corridor of uptown charlotte it was on the western side of uptown charlotte so it was like right in the shadows of the building still other side of the city well the, the the thing was it was right on the dividing line between literally literally the dividing line between the rich and the poor so across the street from the building was white and predominantly white and affluent and a lot the other side of the street was predominantly uh, African-American and poor. And so we went, you know, it was a great opportunity to join seven other nonprofits that were doing something really cool for the community. When we moved, I just started to realize like, man, this is complicated. This is really, you know, we're, we moved from a very affluent part of the city to right on the edge. And, and all of a sudden we start having people walking to church from both communities. I started to realize like, man, like, these dividing lines are, are visceral. Like I feel it, even as I'm like preaching, teaching, doing leadership meetings, you know, like all of a sudden our small groups were having conflict in small groups and it kept on going back to people weren't seeing each other and they weren't, they didn't know how to talk. And then all of a sudden, you know, I started to like look around and I started realizing like so many of my business friends were in very homogenous settings. And I just started to form these thoughts of like, my goodness, like, I think that like people just hang out with like people whether it's, it's similar economics or similar race, generally speaking, we're drawn to people that we're attracted to. And we're honestly attracted to people that are a lot like us. And so I just started to, to have a lot of thoughts on like just kind of human nature in general. And I did a doctoral program uh, to go along with this move. I was like, if we're going to be near a high poverty community, I got to learn something about this. And so I started studying generational poverty. We traveled all over the country, looking at different ways that people had moved the needle over a long period of time in communities that were uh, lower economic areas. And I'm just telling you guys, man, I mean, it it captured my heart in a way. I, I never in a million years thought I'd be sitting here talking to you guys, not as the lead pastor of a church. That was never on my radar. But my heart was so moved by getting to know people that were walking from these lower income communities and seeing the brilliance that they had. And our our church was hosting hundred kids every day after school from one of the communities that was lower economically. And I was like, these kids are brilliant, but not everybody has the same chances that I might, or my kids might. So it was a combination of lived experience, some education, learning about systems and systemic inequality in our country. And then a group of business leaders, honestly, that that came alongside me and and said, Hey, can we take some of the things that you're learning and our passion to really help the community and how do we express that and explore that? And so I, I can't remember what it is. I think it's like chapter nine and 10 or 10 or 11 in my book. I really dig into the way that God used business leaders, you know, developers and bankers and marketing people and like all these like really key leaders in our community we're able to really come together and do something pretty special in the community. And I'm not just there. I'm seeing that all over the place now.
0: So like your role, David, is kind of, as I'm hearing this, almost the bridge between because you're still in some ways kind of playing that pastoral role, right of, and I remember us sitting down here in San Diego and that breakfast together. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you see yourself as as an entrepreneur or not. I mean, clearly you're entrepreneurial. But my point is, even where you're, you're kind of you have this vision, Essentially, since you bridge, you're helping entrepreneurs, maybe even real estate entrepreneurs like me and Cameron, say, hey, you guys can do something with your skills, with your assets to really help transform these communities and bring the gospel and help see the gospel bear fruit in a new way.
2: Is that correct? Absolutely or, absolutely. or are
0: you also kind of pulling the strings on the real estate side of things as well?
2: To me, the what we have to remember is that we're all a part of a body. Uh Right. And so so Peter Moskowitz has a book called How to Kill a City, uh, not a Christian book, but it is he says systems can change because systems are made of people. So I start to put that through my theological framework of Ephesians four, which is we got apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. We all need to do our parts. And then I started to do like this sociological research and like the entrepreneurs, the people that will start new things and take risks like you guys represent like two percent of our culture. That, that's why when you get into a room with other entrepreneurs, you're like, oh my gosh, she's like breathing again. Like I can, I don't have to convince somebody about my next idea or, you know, like you just explode. We need entrepreneurs because the entrepreneurs are the ones that are going to imagine and take new ground. And, and that's the apostolic side of that fivefold gifting. And so for me, I don't need to be the person that's making the real estate investment. My job is to make sure that the real estate investor knows they are called and anointed by God to not have to like go and like change their vocation to be used by God, but to stay in their vocation to be used by God. And so to me, I just feel like a little bit of a translator sometimes of like, Hey, this is what the script, this is what the scriptures are. And then this is like, your gifting. And so like, for instance, um, I had a, I had a business leader come to me. Uh, that was or is a developer, and and he was like, I really want to be used by God. I don't have a lot of gifts. Every time I come in, and notice what he said, he's one of the most successful real estate investors I know, and he said, I don't have a lot of gifts that I can use for the kingdom of God. So first of all, there's there's a failure of imagination in the people right. that have been investing into him in his walk with the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. And so what he said to me was, I find myself a lot of times, and I bet a lot of listeners that you guys have, a lot of people that you run into will feel this way, that successful folks are asked to be large donors for campaigns. They'll, they'll be brought in to be board members at churches or nonprofit organizations, but very rarely are they brought in to just be themselves." And so my buddy came to me and he was like, listen, they asked me to be a greeter because I got a really good personality. And and I'm always like one of the first people that they take to dinner when they've got like a building campaign. But I think that I could be more than that. And so I was like, well, let's just get to know each other. And, and so all of a sudden I start saying, tell me about your city, tell me about what's going on in, in the city that you're living. And he said, well, we have, you know, X amount of a shortage, you know, 20, 25,000 shortage of affordable housing in our city. And, and I said, Hey, What did you tell me that you did? And he's like, I'm a developer, and I was like, Well, why not take what you're good at and start to try and solve that? And he's like, I don't know anything about the affordable housing space. Well, here's what I know about entrepreneurs: they don't know anything about what they're about to go after a lot of times, and they just figure it out. You know, like you know, that's an overstatement, but like you you go into something, you go, Wait a second, there's a problem here. I'm going to go for it. And and man, he just became so hungry to be used by God, like in this space. That, you know, I think at, at this point now, what he ended up doing was he took a part of his company and he created a for profit arm that didn't take any profit. So they were wildly successful on, on the other side of his company. He created a net zero part of his company that started to focus on affordable housing, started to, to go to all the meetings in the city, and he hired four people that it's a self sustaining part of his company. They just don't take any profit from it. And they're now on their seventh affordable housing community. Um, just purchased 21 homes that are going to be helping folks move from, uh, apartment rentals to home ownership. And, and guys, that was just an entrepreneur, somebody that was really good at what they do, that, that all they needed to learn was that I don't have to be something else. I don't have to, to all of a sudden learn how to lead a small group. I don't have to learn how to teach or preach. I don't have to be an elder or a deacon unless I want to be, or, you know, they asked me to be. And the, the the comment that really struck me was he said to me, David, nobody has ever told me that I could use the gifts that God gave me for his glory and for his kingdom. And not, not just for his glory, but for his kingdom, like the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so to me, like having a theological understanding of this helps me to get with entrepreneurs and say, hey, I may not know how to build anything, or I may not be the person that's pulling the strings on a real estate deal. But you do, and here's the way that God can use you if you'll just orient part of your heart towards the things that God might have in store.
0: Yeah, man, that's amazing. I, I mean, that's the whole point of this show, of our mastermind of everything, is like I was a pastor and realized I was probably a better entrepreneur <laughs> than I was right, going right, to be a pastor. Right. And coming to grips like, yeah, yet I, I'm still part of the kingdom, like, and I can yeah. be a part of the kingdom coming and, you know, one of the things we see about God early on, you know, maybe the first thing we learn about God is that he's a creator, right? And yeah. that, that's what we do as entrepreneurs, like we have the opportunity to create. And I mean, that's a pretty amazing story, creating housing, creating a place for someone to live, creating an opportunity for people to, to own, uh, have ownership in this country. So yeah, I mean, I resonate with that story so much, because I do see that. and I love, I love what you said, like, maybe your role in the church is just to kind of do what you do, you know, like yeah. it's just so funny, man, how there's just not, there's so, I'm not gonna say there's few churches cause I know there are several, but, and there are many churches where, you know, seems like the, the pinnacle of serving is Sunday school right. and man, we have to kind of change our mind and change our preaching and somehow change our, our, I don't know what to call our theology, but you know what I mean? Like our, yeah. The way yeah. Well, would, I would, I would actually
2: say, I would absolutely say yes to that. There's a, there's a scholar named Willie James Jennings. He's at Yale university. And he says that we need to do a better job of developing our theological imagination. And I think that's where like, mm. I think that's where entrepreneurs excel. And like, you know, another author is Alan Hirsch or somebody that, you know, like either of those guys are amazing to, to read. What they're saying is that like, if there's only 2% of the world that are entrepreneurs that, that are the apostolic gifting look at what the entrepreneurs have done, right? And I'm not talking about just in faith. I'm talking about in the world. Look at what's happening with development in cities all across the world. It's the entrepreneurs that are going out there and they're shaping and shifting culture. If we learn in the kingdom of God, how to capture the heart and the imagination and develop a theological imagination for entrepreneurs that focuses on, hey, let's figure out what you're good at And now let's start to think about almost like do like an audit of your own area. What are the needs in your community and how do they match up with the thing that you're good at? Now, all of a sudden the entrepreneur can be participating in the plan of God to bring redemption and healing to their own community. And y'all, I don't (laughs) like, this is the part that like really confuses me. I have no idea why God in all of his wisdom chose To express his perfect plan by using like super imperfect people like David and Ellis and Cameron, right? Like who knows why he invited us into this? But what I do know is that the plan to redeem this world is in the hands of people that are willing. And so, what happens if we capture the imagination of entrepreneurs and say, "Hey, let's imagine a new way forward for the kingdom of God?" Because we 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 pretty much have mastered the show up two songs announcement, two songs, do a service, and then everybody make sure you tithe, and then go right now. I'm not against church at all. I mean, I I've been a pastor for a long, 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 long time, but what I'm saying is at what point do we start to say, Hey, let's invite some people into this room that have a track record and a history of being able to envision new things and let's try and figure out what does our neighborhood need? It's why, you know, like I'm working with this group in Bahamas right now. It's absolutely incredible. The pastors brought business leaders together to try and figure out the food shortage they were having in the country of Bahamas. And now all of a sudden pastors are working with entrepreneurs to do food programs where they're using their land to to grow food and then distribute and sell to the community healthy food. That was entrepreneurs coming together to figure out the huge problem was food insecurity. Hmm. The solution didn't come from a bunch of pastors that were preaching on, you know, X, Y, Z. It came from pastors who were saying, Hey, let's get the entrepreneurs in the room and now let's figure out what the problem is and and some creative solutions to it. So now I can get me going, man. I
1: I feel like that's a common approach to people in the church who are really good at making money. It's like, Oh, you're the money guy. You're the successful businessman in the community. You know, Hey, we, we, we need, you know, your resources, which, you know, I think that, That should be the expectation almost, but those are also kind of like you were alluding to some of the most gifted people in the church. Like my church has a thing called careers in motion and every Tuesday morning, successful business people in the community, men and women, and also well-connected people Mm -hmm. meet at the church and network with people looking for jobs, how to dust up a resume, how to connect, how to interview, you know, how to work. We have a financing program to teach people fundamentals of money. That's ran by mm-hmm. somebody who's not employed by the church, but a member who's successful in the business community, yeah. Just utilizing those gifts other than their ability to just make money.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think we need more. See, the key to what you just said there, Cameron, is that it's not just it's not just an expert trying to pass on information. What you just described is a regular gathering where people can build relationships. So the the nerd term for it is social capital, right? Like <laughs> like we we have. I'm an unrelenting nerd and I just try and hide it, but like, you know, we all have access to different things that we can share. It's not so much fun when you're just trying to like from the top down, be like, this is what you need, right? It's way, way, way more enjoyable and fulfilling and honoring and like generous because it's not just generous of resources, it's generous of time, where people start to build relationships. And, and like the, the idea that I think that, that I'm trying to travel the world right now to propel forward is that we need more less outreach and more relationship. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there's entrepreneurs, if there's 2% of the world that are wired like this, that means that 2% of our high poverty communities are full of entrepreneurs. All we have to do is unlock the ideas that are found in these high poverty communities and say, okay, well, hey, come alongside me and let's hear some of your ideas. Let's let's figure out like one of the things that I saw um, in another part of the country was some folks that started to do entrepreneurial training. So entrepreneurial conversations with people in the community and that they would just start hosting it at this church. And it was a, a whole thing just about small business ownership and small business entrepreneurialism and stuff like that. And here's the deal. People start coming from these communities. They just have never had access to the same things that some of us may have had access to. And that's where relationships start to say, Hey, well, I know this person, this person now I'm not saying, Hey, here's, you know, 500 bucks. I hope, you know, you make it through the week. Now, all of a sudden you're unlocking the gift that somebody unlocked in you.
1: A lot of times people too, don't know the gift they have. And they're so curious. They're like what's my, yeah. my spiritual gift or my gift for the body. You don't find that alone in the woods.
2: Yeah. You find that <laughs> That's so true
1: in community. That's so you true. find that surrounding yourself with people and then yeah. opportunities come, conversations come, and out, out of nowhere, you really find you enjoy doing something or, or people recognize you're very so talented good. in this area. And that happens in community. So, you know, if the, ch- if the church could do more of gathering opportunities, well, then the community that makes up the church can be more resourceful and, and do more kingdom impacting work just by being in proximity of one another. Mm-hmm. Retreats are good, but they're not where you should go to really figure out who you are.
2: Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that it, it also goes back to a theological conversation because we have to remember that we are saved into a body. We're not saved into individualism. And the question to ask to a lot of entrepreneurs is does the body that you've been saved into include somebody from a lower economic class? And if, if somebody is outside of the body now, all of a sudden, then I might say, okay, well, I want to help that person. But if somebody, if you're saved into the same body as somebody from a different economic class as you now, all of a sudden you're participating together in something instead of just trying to do a handout. Now, all of a sudden you're saying, Hey, for our body to be healthy, we all need to activate the gifts that God has given us. And so that's, that's where I just find out about that a lot of passion as it relates to You know, building relationships across dividing lines, which goes back to the book, which is written to people to help them have conversation starters, really practical ways to understand race and economics and all the different dynamics that are at play there. But it took it, you know, it takes me, you know, nine or 10 chapters to get to the conversation about the way that we're going to participate. Uh, with entrepreneurs and high poverty communities and you know folks that have had some measure of success as it relates to people that maybe haven't had cultural defined success yet you know as it relates to economics um, but I think that we need to learn how to talk to each other man and the more relationships that we can build and the more tools that we have let's just say that politics and cable news have framed us and discipled us more than the Bible has framed and discipled us, and more than pastors have formed and discipled us. We've been discipled to to believe that there are these classes that exist that are just normal. And when you look at the scriptures, there was never supposed to be these dividing lines.
0: David, what um you said you traveled the country for you know during your study to kind of study these case studies where people have crossed dividing lines and um, seen communities flourish can you provide some examples of things that, you know, worked well? And then I'd also love to know, like, if you're speaking to a group of real estate entrepreneurs, which you are today, like, maybe things that were often overlooked, or maybe like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, a starting point of things like, hey, here, here are some ways to begin to look at your own community and and begin to kind of see some of these things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the first one that comes to mind, is uh, in a place called Lawndale. So L-A-W-N-D-A-L-E in Chicago. It's the North Lawndale community. There was a single minister there that just started to say like, man, you know, I want to go to this community and I want to see God do something beautiful. And this is over 30 years that all of a sudden they started to put together this framework that said, we need to look at this community holistically. Like that's a huge piece of, of this is like, you know, it's not just housing and it's not just education. It's not just employment and it's not just healthcare. It's all of those things. This is why we need to see all this together. And, and Lawndale is probably doing it better than most that I've seen. And, you know, if you fast forward 30 years, they've got affordable housing going there. They've got uh, a healthcare, a hundred thousand square foot healthcare clinic that incorporated, you know, people in the community working with developers, working with, you know, the healthcare community and say, Hey, we're going to build a healthcare center right here in the neighborhood that needs it the most. They've got an aquaponics thing going. So they got a business going for fish farming and stuff like that. I mean, I could go on and on and on. It's the most fascinating thing that I've seen of the business community partnering together with a theologically motivated way to serve the community. And, and they do quite a bit of stuff. They're, they're connected to the group, the Christian CCDA. Christian Community Developers Association. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's something that you guys, um, your listeners could definitely benefit from is just um, CCA, CCDA does a conference every year talking about development and you know the ways that people are doing holistic development. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there's other stuff like um, another place called Purpose Built Communities. They're doing some great work as it relates to pairing the residents of the community and the business leaders in that community. And, and then as far as like first steps go, the, the thing that I would say, and I think that people would, would really catch this because of the audience that, that you guys have cultivated is I just don't know any good investor that's not going to first research the thing, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, you just said that you're, you just went to Dallas and you ignored Cameron, didn't even call your friend, right? Because you were there to make a big, 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 big deal. I'm guessing you didn't just find out about that deal and spend five minutes thinking about it and be like, you know what, I'm gonna jump on a plane and go make a multi-million dollar investment. You got to think about these things. You have to strategically plan. And then all of a sudden, like instincts to me are a combination of lived experience and knowledge. So when you guys see a good opportunity in the business world, it's because you got some lived experiences, which is both success and failure, right? You know, can somebody say amen to that? You know, like. You got some lived experience and you got some knowledge in the industry. And so for me, I say all of that to say, um, I think that the best things that I have seen are when business leaders come together and say, you know what, we're going to take some time and not, not just read books, but we're going to partner with somebody like there's a group called the Polis Institute, P-O-L-I-S, Polis Institute. And You know, for X amount of dollars, whether it's $5,000 or $10,000 or $15,000, depending on the, the size of the thing that you want to do, you can literally go into a community and create an assessment of what the needs are and what the strengths are of the community. You can do an entire survey all the way down to block level. So most surveys are done all the way down to census level tracks. But what I've seen is that business leaders coming together that, that take their resources and say, we're gonna, we're gonna actually study what's going on here because what, one of the things that I hate, like I could point you to this thing in Baltimore. A group of business leaders came together and said, we're gonna help this high poverty community. They dumped $50 million into development of a high poverty community in Baltimore. And you wanna know what that community is now? It's just a really expensive community because they didn't have a holistic ethic of that their investment was going to ramp up the the desirability of being that close to downtown. And so to me, the first step is always going to be, are you theologically motivated by something? Like it, it, for us that, that believe in Christ, are you motivated? Does your faith compel you to this? But then as a business leader, are you willing to put up some of the, the time and the resources to figure out for real what the issues are in a community, not just guessing and not just instincts. And so the thing I'd say there too is, I think that a lot of successful folks are successful because of their instincts. But remember what, what, what I just said about instincts, it's a combination of life experience and knowledge. And so the same instincts to try and help a high poverty community that made you successful as an investor, aren't always the instincts
1: mm-hmm. that
2: you, maybe you don't have enough life experience in relationship with somebody in a high poverty community or enough knowledge about what's going to happen to that neighborhood if you do go in there and make a redevelopment, you know, bid on a project or something like that. Unless you take time, and that's where people like the Polis Institute can really help, is, you know, to me, that's the, that's the research that needs to happen before you make a multi-million dollar investment. And so like in some of the work that that I've been exposed to, you know, we're we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars of redevelopment work over, you know, 10, 20, 30 years in communities, but you know that you're investment has worked if the same people who lived there before have the choice to still live there after your work is done. And and so it's not just about cleaning up a neighborhood. A lot of people's definition of cleaning up a neighborhood is lower crime. And to be quite honest, a lot of people feel safer in predominantly white communities. you know. And so all of a sudden cleaning up the neighborhood really is just cleaning out the people that have lived there for generations. And what I've seen is that you can raise an area while still having a plan for what's going to happen to the people that have lived there for generations. It's just complex. And that's why we need the entrepreneurs.
0: Yeah, man, that's really good. and Really challenging. I do think as an entrepreneur, you know, the, the, the tough thing, I think is I as I listen to you speak, I'm like, as an entrepreneur, you want you move fast. Like mm-hmm. you're not really an entrepreneur. If you don't move fast, I do think in really participating in this work, you kind of have to slow down a little bit you know what mm-hmm. I mean and I think that is um, maybe one of the more challenging I, we've never kind of really done a, a bigger development project like this but I, I think you're right in order to really build those relationships, you have to slow like you have to slow down you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I, I I'm just kind of thinking about that personally I'm like you know that's a it's a challenging work and I think to really if you're gonna be part of this type of transforming renewal. Cities, neighborhoods, as an entrepreneur, that you know, I love what you said. Are we don't have that relational experience yet? In order to do that, we have to mm. slow down. We have to kind of maybe put our business model mm. on pause in order to really develop that that IQ, that neighborly IQ, right? That, you that people IQ. Guys, if you don't know already, we are talking uh, with David. He has a book coming up, uh, March fifteenth, right?
2: Yeah, March fifteenth.
0: Uh, real quick what is the uh, website folks go
2: to that yeah we can uh, go to neighborlinessbook.com um, and then you know m- our ministry website is neighborliness.com you can get there that that direction as well and yeah just just talking about trying to find ways to c- connect across dividing lines
1: yeah neighbor oh, get my
0: hands on it neighborlinessbook.com that's a mouthful neighbor just so you guys we'll, we'll put the link in the chat below so you make sure yeah, you go grab you that go. march 15th get that thing
1: what were you saying yeah. cameron i was just saying I can't wait to get my hands on it. it sounds awesome. I'm excited to get a copy and rip through it, man. It seems like yeah, you have a and, lot of wisdom.
2: Yeah, and you know the thing I would say, Ellis, too, is I think that it's important to remember that for-profit investments can happen in the same community as kind of more holistic investments are happening. They don't have to be separate from each other. So, like, so I just did a consulting thing with a with a guy that was going into a, a community, and I don't ever really say the names of the people that I'm working with, but like the, you know, I, I met with this business leader. They came to, you know, the city that we were in and you could tell his, his brain was on fire. He's like, yo, I I know the guy that owns that building. And I know the guy that owns that building, And like, and, and I just told him, I said, listen, you can make some great investments in this community while still trying to think about how you want to help holistically in the community. It doesn't, one doesn't preclude the other. And also the thing that I would say is I have to be careful with the way that I say this because I don't want to be taken wrong, but I'm I'm not against capitalism. I'm not against like just good, solid business. I'm not against people making money. I'm not not against that at all. I think that the slowing down that you're talking about doesn't mean that your business has to slow down. It's just, if you do want to start thinking about how does my business participate in seeing the kingdom of God established in my city as it is in heaven, you got to take more time on your personal time and say, hey, I need to just take some time and just really learn why our community is this way while you're still doing the stuff over here. still will be fast, still will be an entrepreneur, they'll you know, just go for it. But I do think that um, as you develop the instincts that we are talking about, as it relates to um, crossing dividing lines, figuring out how to be more holistic in the way that we think about development, those are things that if you take the time now that it just gets sharper and sharper and sharper and sharper over time. And so it's not like you're just missing out on opportunities while you're slowing down and taking time to learn. Like if you have a long view, I mean, both of you guys are, you know, you're not at the end of your careers. You're, you know, you're still on the you know, front middle part of the journey right now. If you take time to learn and listen and grow. And especially if you start praying about this stuff and say, Lord, I want to, I want to participate in the redemption of this world. And I want to use my business skill for it. I just think that, that the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us into all truth. And it's not, it's not a waste of time. It It's actually really, it can be fun too. It's hard and it, and it is complex, but it can also be really rewarding. Yeah.
0: That's good, man. That's a good word to end on that. The, the, the reward of it and uh, the yeah. joy of it to really participate in, and be with God. I appreciate that encouragement, man, of like, yeah. Starts, you know, praying and asking God to open your eyes to this. How can we use our business? How can we use our real estate? Uh the gifts, the tools he's given us uh, to participate in in Kingdom Work. Uh dude, one more time, neighborlinessbook.com. Guys, go grab this thing. Comes out March fifteenth. Get and a couple copies.
2: Yeah, it's also available everywhere. Like Barnes and Noble, Walmart, like you don't have to go to that weird website. Amazon, it's everywhere. So audiobook, uh, Kindle and uh, the regular
0: book do you guys have walmart's or targets in dallas
1: uh I... <laughs> come on bro what a silly question of course yeah what
2: kind of what kind of question is that no,
0: do you do you do I, you, now, you shop at both i'm like i used to you know grow up in the south man it was only walmart Now I moved to california it's only target like is that yeah. is that a dividing yeah, line that's real. We, do i need to go across it we should explore line? that
2: uh,
1: it depends on <laughs> it depends on grocery prices man sometimes yeah. target begin a little expensive and walmart's got the deals yeah
2: yeah yeah that's right I cut you off right when you were telling everybody to buy multiple copies. I just want to say Ellis has a lot of business.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Multiple copies, get them for your church, get them for your the small group, get them for your masterminds. I uh, yeah, yeah, you appreciate you brother. I can't wait to yeah, have you back on you again, guys. man. And um, good luck yeah. with everything. blessings, dude. All
2: right, man. Thanks so much.
0: Ciao. Hey, real estate investors. I hope this show has given you permission to go out into the world and crush it in the name of Jesus. If you want to learn more about our community and locking arms and joining forces with other like-minded investors like yourself, go to thekingdomrei.com to learn more about our mastermind and send an application. We'll see you next week.